0: Well, I hope you're, Happy New Year, everybody. Good to see you guys, because, you know, you guys partied hardy last week. I didn't see you. And you know what I mean? But it's good to have you guys here on the campus. It's going to be an amazing year. We're starting an amazing message called Sweet Dreams. We started last week, and we're going to continue on for the next few weeks to really encourage you in your faith to dare to dream dreams that you possibly never have allowed yourself to dream Before, You know, this last Sunday night, my wife and I were sitting around. It was New Year's night, and we were reminiscing about the year, you know, going back through the ups and downs. And, you know, isn't this phone an amazing thing? This phone here has all your pictures and even has the dates on them So you can literally go back in a year and review. And of course, you've taken the high notes of the year on your phone. So you can go back and look at those great times of friends and family and vacations and all that was on your phone. And that's what we did, kind of reminiscing. But not only that, we were thinking through the the middle of the lines there in our lives that things weren't so good. Fights that we might have had, disagreements along the way. You know, the stressors in our life. I'm sure you might have had a few along the way. Uh, in life, but we are so f- thankful for what God did last year, and we're, we're just dreaming about the future. But can I just say, as we talk about that, because and, and the new year absolutely brings new beginnings and fresh starts. It's all about that. And I, I can't prove this theology with theology, but my conviction is that God put the calendar, created the calendar for us to, once a year, be able to, to basically turn the page to a new chapter in our life with new possibilities and new aspirations and new vision and new dreams. I believe that with all my heart. And I think, too, I want to just say this because it's the really, Lord really put this on my heart to say this. Quickly, I want to say is, you know, there's some things in my life that I don't want to bring into 2017. There's possibly some things in your life that God would not want you to bring in to this year. You know, past disappointments, maybe failures, poor decisions, maybe maybe some resentment and things like that going on, unforgiveness, God, I want you to know right now, God would not want you to bring that forward. Are you hearing me? The greatest gift you can give yourself is forgiveness. Maybe for yourself or someone else. And to be able to leave that behind. Because our messages that we've strategically put at the beginning of the year called Sweet Dreams is about encouraging you, inspiring you to dream God-sized dreams. And when there's baggage and stuff and doubt and all that filtering through the mind of limitations, it, it shrinks our ability to dream God-sized dreams. Are you hearing me? Yep. No, I'm not talking about resolutions, and resolutions are good. I think everybody, well, all of us probably, you know, last Sunday night go or Saturday night go, you know what, this year, this year is gonna be the year I am healthy. I am gonna work out. I'm going to eat right. Anybody with me? Yeah. Probably haven't been to the gym yet. Yeah. <laughs> this is the year we're going we're gonna to really listen to one another. We're going to take time. We're going to do date night. We're going to do family night this year. We're going to get our finances in order this year. All those, and all those are amazing and good and should happen. And by the way, just for re- record, you know, you're, if you don't write them down and you don't commit to it and make the sacrifice needed to do any of the things that God's, the resolutions you've got put in your heart, it will not happen. Are you with me? Yes. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about God-sized dreams. We're talking about dreams that God has to show up in a miraculous way to allow these dreams to come to fruition. I mean, these are audacious dreams. And they're there. God put them on your heart. He wired them on your hard drive. The word says in Psalm 139, before a single day had passed, every day was written in his book for you. And you know what that means? He wrote some of the most amazing dreams for you, his aspirations for his kid, you to accomplish in life. There's a lady in our church. Maybe there's, you know, maybe your dream, I'm gonna throw a couple out there. Maybe your dream is to go back to school, go back to college and do something new. There's a lady in our church at 40 years old. She felt like the Lord told her to go back to college and get her law degree. Crazy good. Guess what? She's a lawyer today. And she's working for the, in, the, in the place where public defender's office, not to try to make all the money in the world, but to try to serve people. Isn't that amazing? There was a girl that used to work here. There's a girl that used to come here. Her and her husband were in the military, and she moved to, they moved back. To, in fact, he got out, and they moved to Texas. And she told me, because I always ask a couple when, I, when I'm counseling them there or when I'm doing premarital counseling. Anyway, I always ask this question. This is a question you might want to ask yourselves. If money was no object and you couldn't fail, what do you think God would want to do with your life? If money was no object, write this down, by the way. We should be taking some notes here. Seriously, take notes. Last week, if you were here, everybody after the goes, was going, wow, is that message going to be online, Pastor Chris? I needed to take notes. Take some notes. Get your phone out. Because you're, you're going to forget most of this by the time you drive down the driveway and turn left to lunch. But there's a lady, and a girl in the church, and, I, and she goes, "You know, there's, God put a dream in my heart when I was very young, because she she had a sister, who had Down syndrome. She grew up in Texas. She was dreaming that someday she'd be able to have a ranch with horses and allow people who have disabilities like that, challenges in life, to experience the, the majesty and wonder of a horse. Well, guess what? She never let that dream die." And many times along the way, it could have. But today, she, she has that ranch. She has 10 horses that kids use. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. God's, got a, God's got a dream for you like that. Maybe, maybe you've always dreamed to own a home so you can have a permanent location for your kids and your family and a place to gather. God has that dream for you. Maybe it's you're, you're in a job and you, you know that you want a higher position there. You know that you can make a difference in some way. Dare to dream that. That's what we're talking about. Are you hearing me? Many people, most people, hear me. Most people go to their grave with unfulfilled dreams. And I can only imagine that God, because God wrote their script, they stand before God someday and go, man, I had so much for you. But you allowed yourself to think, oh, I could never do that. So, you never went there. And I promise you, these dreams that God's going to give you, they're not going to be accomplished overnight. There's going to be some character development going on because God would have to teach you some things along the way that He'd want to teach you. You know, from the time the dream is conceived to the time it's achieved, it's a marathon, a marathon, not a sprint. Because there's sometimes along the way you're going to try to want to give up on that dream. You're going to think that'll never happen. You know, I always use, sometimes I use these guys, and they happen to be sitting in the front seat over here. This and, and I, they hate when I do this. So I just want you to know I'm going to get in trouble here in a very short time. But these are two guys, Tim and Holly. is going under his seat right now. <laughs> Tim and Holly kneeling. God gave them a dream. They were, they were they were at the Hillsong conference. And God gave them a dream about a future that they would have. That they would be able to have a, a nonprofit ministry that would reach people that a church would never reach. That they would be a gathering place to find, to find friendships and allow them to show God and allow them, God to be glorified in their ministry. She quit her job and she was, sorry, Tim, but she was the breadwinner of the family at the time. (laughs) She quit her job. They went through hell and back to get to that dream. But God, that dream is alive and well and flourishing today in Kailua. In fact, I go in there and the place is packed. I'm thinking, praise God, praise God. But God has a dream for you. If you take the time, last week's message by Pastor Chris is online online. But can I just tell you a couple of the highlights of it just in case that you don't have time because we're, our mess, my message to you and my assignment today is to, to make sure that you never let the dream die. Never let it die. But you'd have to have that dream first and there's a few things I want you to know. If, if, there's, an, if there's not a dream in your heart or possibly it's a neutral and, 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 or maybe it's completely died. I want to be a part of helping you ignite that, fan the flame of that. But let me tell you a couple of things that we learned last week that you might not have heard, or, or you know what? The best teacher is redundancy. Maybe you need to, maybe I can just encourage you through that way. First thing that you need to do to really experience God's dream for your life, you got to get away and you got to withdraw from the world that you live in because the noise and the distractions Always cloud out anything God would want to tell you if it's always coming at you and, you know, life's coming at you a million miles an hour. Are you you hearing me? Because I promise you, the enemy for sure would want you to always see the limitations of your dream. Oh, I could never do that. No way. I wished I could. No, can't. But I, I want to encourage you to get away with God, to spend time with him, to take all the distractions out, no screens, nothing. Say, Lord, this time is just you and me. Get away with God. Now, it'd be awesome, I want, you know, go on vacation um, and uh, to do this, but you know what? That might not be something that could fit into your schedule. But maybe you would set aside a little time every day. Just carve this time out every day. This is just me and God time. No distractions, kids are asleep, TV's off, screens are put away. This is just me and God time. Because the one thing that Pastor Chris last week did, and this is something I've been trying to do for quite some time. In fact, last year I went to Alaska and my, my, there's no phone. I couldn't, you know, no reception where I was at. And my plan was to create a bucket list. That was my plan. Anybody try to do that after last week's message or do that in the, in the past, you'll know that it's not easy to do. You sit down and all of a sudden, your mind does flood with all the, ability, the limitations. Oh, I could never do that. Why, why put that down? That's crazy. That can't be from God. But you know what? I promise you, you start making that list. You dare to write down things that you know you couldn't accomplish on your own. I promise you, God will see that through. The word says in Psalm 37:4 that if you delight yourself in the Lord, delight, that you would get intimate with him, that you would be close to him that he will give you the desires of your heart. Miraculous things are gonna happen. So make a bucket buck, list, get away, here from God. And just wait, wait on him. Wait on him, he wants to speak to you, but you gotta wait. Don't be in a hurry. Spend time. And get in your Bible. Read, take the Bible with you to that encounter with Jesus. Take him with you. Because you know, sometimes we're here waiting for a voice when he has a verse. Amen. And then bring something to write down on. Write it down. Be dare to write it down. You might write it down in code because you wouldn't want anyone to see it because it's so out there. Are you hearing me? Can you imagine when Joni wrote down, I want to go to law school at 40 years old? By the way, she had a substance abuse problem that almost took her down earlier in life. You imagine when she wrote that down and she would have showed her family and friends, they would have laughed. Would you not have? I mean, you know how it is to go to law school at 40? And pass the bar? Okay, I'm just saying, there's something in your heart God has for you. And if you haven't heard from God about it, I want to challenge you today, don't let another day go by without spending time with him to start the process of hearing from him. Because it is a process. Are you hearing me? How am I doing so? I wanna, I'm trying to encourage you. And then lastly, of course, you got to endure because it's going to take some time. These guys here with their nonprofit, they had to endure. And there was how countless times Tim would tell us, oh my gosh, this will never happen. I'm over my head, screaming out to God, God, you gotta show up. You got to show up here. He will, and he did. There's a great story in the Bible I've got to tell you about of a person who had a dream but had to endure along the way. Everything that could possibly be thrown at a person, was thrown at him to derail his dream. And he had a dream, and this is Joseph. One of the most oldest and amazing stories in the Bible, and it's found in Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. If you're new to the word, new to the Lord, it's in Genesis, starts in Genesis 37, and it goes all the way to the end of the book in chapter 50. It's one of those stories, when you start reading it, you can't put it down because of the twist and the turns and the intrigue and the amazing story of perseverance and grace and God in the whole story. See, Joseph was a son, well, Joseph was a, a son of Jacob, famous person in the Bible. And he was the, the, uh, there was 11 brothers, and he was the youngest brother. And the word says he was the favorite. And the brothers didn't like that. Anybody was a favorite in their home? The favorite kid, I was, and my brothers didn't like it one bit. And I didn't deserve to be the favorite because I was always getting in trouble, but it seems like they whitewashed that trouble and always gave my brothers trouble. Another story, another time. But see, Jacob had a dream. He had an audacious dream. He had a dream that someday, someday he would have such influence and power that people would bow down to him. And the word says over and over in this story that God was with him. And he continued to bless Jacob. So I believe, I believe, Rob believes, can't prove this in the Bible, I believe because God was so with Joseph, that dream wasn't about him being coming famous and look at me and bow down to me, I'm going to rule over you, even though the word says that that's what would happen someday, that people would bow down to him and he would rule over them. But I believe it was because of God's grace and his desire to help other people, really. But he didn't know how that dream was going to come out. There was so much twist and turns. In fact, it says that the brothers were so envious of their brother that they literally tried to kill him. But instead of killing him, they said, nah, we'll sell him into slavery. As the traitors came by, they literally sold him into slavery. Can you imagine how discouraging? that would be that your own fa- family sold you to someone else to get rid of you? If that isn't enough discouragement, I don't know what is. To kill any dream. But it says God was with them and he ended up being bought into slavery by Potiphar, someone who worked right with the pharaoh, the king of Egypt, right with him in the palace. So he's going, whoa, this is amazing. In fact, it says that God was with him, that he ascended to being Potiphar's right-hand man. He must have had many servants, and he actually controlled the household. Problem was, is the wife, Potiphar's wife, had the hots for Joseph. And Potiphar's wife wanted to have a relationship with Joseph. In fact, the word says that he rebuffed her because he did not want to discredit, uh, disrespect his master, and his employer, and her, her husband. But finally, she'd had enough, and she grabbed him. Grabbed him and said, no, we're, we're getting together, and we're getting together right now. However, he goes, no way, man, and he ran away. But the only problem was she grabbed her coat. The coat got left behind with her. He ran off. She was uh, embarrassed. She felt disrespected. All that goes with that, she tells her husband, hey, that dude tried to rape me, man. Potiphar was mad at Joseph big time. Go to prison. So he literally threw Joseph in prison. And he said, the word says, as you read the story, that he was in prison for quite a while, but he did gain favor back. So you're in prison. Okay, you get thrown in prison. By the way, just for the record, this is not three square meals a day, a bed, hang out. No, this is not, this is the dungeon. You can't go from being in charge of someone's house, seeing that possibly this dream might come to fruition. He's literally in prison. In the Pharaoh's palace, this dream might come to fruition. He had to hope again, and all of a sudden, he's he's disrespected, he's accused of something he didn't do, he's thrown into prison. Could it be any worse? Have you ever been accused of something you never did? I have. There literally is nothing worse to me. Because when you're falsely accused, and then they try to ruin your reputation... Can you think of anything worse? And you can't even defend yourself. People think poorly of you because you've been wrongly accused. That's that's Joseph. But God found favor with them. He literally says that he became the warden's right-hand man in prison. And he met a few people along the way and he interpreted a few dreams. And one day, Pharaoh, in the palace, Pharaoh had a dream. And his dream was a crazy dream, But no one could interpret it. And all of a sudden they realize, wait, back in that prison, Joseph can interpret dreams. He has a close relationship with God. So Pharaoh goes, go get that dude. I need to talk to him. Joseph interpreted the dreams. That there would be seven years of famine, I mean, a plenty in Egypt, but it'd be followed by seven years of famine. And they put, Pharaoh says, man, because God's with you and you're a smart guy. You're my right-hand man. The only person you're going to report to is me. So Joseph went from being put into slavery, falsely accused, put into prison, and now he's literally Pharaoh's, the king of Egypt's right-hand man. Crazy. But God did. God used him in amazing ways. And here's the deal because he was in charge of all the granary and all the food, and Joseph handled all the affairs of the governor for the, as a governor of Egypt. One day, his family did come to get food, and they did bow down before him. And the final, the finish of the story is, he tells his family, what you meant for harm, by selling me into slavery, by disowning me, God meant for good. See, along the way, your dream It might seem completely impossible, implausible, and maybe your dream is you're trying to keep the flicker of frame alive, but discouragement comes at you. Somebody comes against you. Life happens. I want here this morning, I want to give you three things, three important points to allow you to keep your dream alive. Write these down The first one is fight the dream killers. Fight the dream killers. You know, we heard in that message last week, and I, I believe too, that dreams, dreams are the language of the Holy Spirit. Because the word says in Acts 2 that, the, that in the final days of which we're in, that we'll, that we'll see uh, that the... Uh, sons and daughters, that be us, will prophesy. Young men will see visions, and old men will dream dreams. And I believe God gives us these visions and dreams. And I believe that they're from the Holy Spirit because they bypass our mind of limitations to our heart, that only God could put that. When he plants a dream in your heart, he will never try to let it die. Even though the enemy, John 10.10 says he's here to kill, steal, and destroy so that means he's here to kill, steal, and destroy your dreams. Your dreams. But I believe the Holy Spirit, if you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, he'll speak directly to your heart. Are you hearing me? Because if it filters through your mind first, your mind will discount it. Are you hearing me? So here's some dream killers. Doubt and discouragement. I mean, look at the life of Joseph. I mean, that, by the way, he was 17th, so that whole process till he became The right-hand man of Pharaoh was 20 years. 20 years of nothing but had to be doubts, discouragement. Doubts and discouragement. How about you? Because the enemy would want to use discouragement. The enemy, that's his favorite tool. Discouragement is absolutely the enemy's favorite tool because you don't even know it's him. And doubt. I could never do that. No chance. Let me tell you something. You might be thinking here, I can't because how could God use me? I got, I got nothing. I've done too much or something's gone wrong in my life. or No, I can't do that. That is right from the pit of hell. By the way, along the way in life, guess what? There's things that go bad in our life, and God doesn't cause the hurt, but he surely doesn't waste the hurt. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Sometimes... Things happen in our life, and God didn't cause it, but God will use it amazingly. God wants to do something in you all the time. God's not concerned about your comfort. He's concerned about your character. That's for sure. Think about your kids. Your kids wake up in the morning and go, you know what? Dad, Mom, I, I just don't want to go to school today. Can't go to school. No, not me. I, I, I No. What are you going to say? Sure, stay home today. It's okay. No, you're not, because you're not concerned about their comfort at that point. You're concerned about them getting out of that house someday. You get to school. You go to school. God has a dream for your life, and it's not sitting here at, you know, in the house watching TV or playing on the phone. Are you hearing me? God's not concerned about your comfort. He is concerned about your character. And there's things he's going to allow in your life because he knows that you're going to need those things to allow that dream to happen someday. Hear me? Because I promise you, unless your faith is increased in God, that you totally and completely trust in him, you're not going to see that dream come to reality. Because when you write it down, you're going to need God to show up. And it's going to take faith on your part to see it come to fruition. Are you hearing me? Because God wants to do something so incredible in your life or in your marriage as a partnership, a husband and wife, to change your world and the world around you. It's incredible what God wants you to do. And all of a sudden, you're fighting with your wife. Whoa, man, we can't always fight. Because the enemy knows that the dreams inside of you will die if you don't take an opportunity to grow in your marriage instead of allowing it to be destructive. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Seriously, God wants to do something amazing. But I want you to know our finite minds processed through the enemy's filter will always keep us down. Secondly, you've got to hold on to those dreams. you got to hold on well. Hold on to them. Don't let them out of your heart. Look at that dream had to get out of Joseph's heart the minute he got sold into slavery. And then when he got thrown in prison, oh my gosh, that had to take it out. But he held on. He held on to that dream. Held on. Don't hold on to past offenses. I talked to it in the beginning. Don't hold on to those. Somebody, I mean, just this, this week, a, a young guy came up to me and he heard the message last week from Pastor Chris and we were talking and, and he says, you know what, every second of every day, all I think about is revenge on this man. And he had spent, went to college, he got his dream job. He said, I came to Hawaii. I was hired in the mainland. came to Hawaii. got my dream job. Something I, my parents, my whole family was so ecstatic. And two years into the job, just recently, they said, you're done. Out. And he could not, for the life of him, figure out what he did. He was the top performer there. But you know what? For some reason, personality comp, I have no idea. I would only be guessing if I said I knew that reason. But he was out. But instead of going, Lord, what what are you trying to teach me in this moment? What is it for me that I need to learn? He went right to resentment, and he pushed the resentment button so strongly that literally he told me every second of every day he's awake, and the minute he wakes up in the morning, it's about getting back at that dude. You can't live. You can't live there. Don't hold on to offenses, and hold on to humility, because some of these dreams are going to be you're going to have to hold on to humility. Look at. Look, this is, this, is what, this is what Joseph did wrong. In the beginning of that story, in, chap, in chapter 37, it says, hey, bro, brothers, you wouldn't believe the dream that God gave me. And he told him a dream. And the, the brothers go, oh, look at this dreamer. And they mocked him. He wasn't humble. Joseph wasn't humble to begin with. He didn't know what to do with the dream. He was too immature. But we got, sometimes we just gotta stay humble with that dream. Humble. Don't lose that. And lastly, gotta hold on to joy because there's gonna be circumstances in your life like David, you can't lose the joy. Here's here's the thing I really learned about Joseph. He got sold into slavery, which had to be completely off the hook bad, right? But then he got bought by Potiphar and he ascended. So instead of letting that whole thing ruin him and go into, into resentment towards his brothers and life and how could you God and all that, he ascended to the leader of that household. So instead of seeing everything through negativity, he must have seen everything through positive because he ascended to a place of honor in that home as a slave. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Then he gets thrown into prison and the warden goes, "Whoa!" Oh. And he, instead of allowing that, how dare that woman, how dare Potiphar throw me in prison. I didn't do a darn thing. I'm gonna say a bad word. Uh, <laughs> darn thing. But instead he used it. He used it, and he became the head of the prison. Are you hearing me? Okay, I'm just saying, hold on to joy. The word says clearly that we need to do that. It says this in Philippians 4. It says, always be faithful, uh, full of joy. Always be full of joy in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which will exceed all understanding. And lastly, so really important is be ready for the journey because it does take time. From the time the Lord gives you the dream till sometimes it comes to fruition. You know, you're a part of a church many years ago, the people that came before you, and I was one of those guys, we had a dream. We had a dream that we would have a place of our own, that we could because at that point, we just kept in Reniface, so we went from school to school on, we'd have a Friday night service and we'd have to set it up Friday afternoon, tear it down Friday night, set it back up Sunday morning, because would, school would be using it on Saturday a lot, and then Carried it back down, and we did that over and over and over and over and over again. <laughs> and we, you know, it was a small church back then, and we pray, Lord, give us, and that was, by the way, that was an audacious prayer back then. I mean, crazy prayer. Like, you know, we want our own, own, own land someday, Lord. So we had that audacious prayer, we prayed into it. In fact, a bunch of people in the church, they went out and scoured Kanye. They turned over every rock. Just to show you what we were thinking about back then, we, had, we were in negotiations with the, it's called HPU up here, right across from Poly Golf Course, the college that's up there. We were going to build them a gymnasium, which we would use on the weekend, and they could use during the week. We were gonna buy a couple buildings in Kaneohe, you know, we got into that, and we were trying to dream up how we could use it, and everything we, turn, we went to turned down. Everything, no, 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 no. Everything. And then one day, out of the blue, miraculously, because at that point, we were discouraged. We're, we're, we're long, we're, we're, our, our future is in rented facilities. And then one day, somebody that we knew called up and says, hey, there's this land in Kaneohe. It looks like this. Can you put that picture of the land up? There it is right there. Back in 1988, this property came available, and we jumped right on it. I can honestly say today that we probably jumped on it because we felt like God really wanted us to have a building. I think we jumped on it really quickly because as soon as we leased it, we found out we leased a mountain <laughs> with a forest. That's what we land. I know, I know you can't see it right now, but the grade, there's about 75 feet of grade on that. Many people we used to drive, uh, bring up there to get the feel for the land and try to, you know, we were trying to raise money back then, so we bring them on and see our vision for that land. Many of them couldn't, couldn't make it to the top. It was just so steep. But we were, we were, we were going to do this, and we were ecstatic as a church. I mean, going out of our minds. Just to, see, just to give you a visual here, you can see that, that that's a nine acres full of trees and all that. I mean, we started clearing the land. Can you show them that next picture, a couple pictures there? We started clearing the land. That was all volunteers. Most of us, all these rock walls, all the tree, everything we did was pretty much volunteers in many ways. Can you go back to that first picture, please, for me? Okay, so you can see that they were just building the H3 freeway above us, right? That was into construction. That was when we were at. So we were there. We, we got the plans. We had to go through many public hearings with the city. We, you know, we jumped through every hurt. We found out a lot of people don't like churches in their community. Not in my backyard. You can put that elsewhere. Not here. So we went through all the public hearings, heard all the criticism, but we got the permit. We could now build on that property. It was an amazing day. A couple... Maybe, I'm guessing, but maybe about a month later, I get a call from Joe Moore. Anybody know Joe Moore in the news? Yeah. Pretty pretty famous dude around here. He's been here as long as I've been here on the news. He calls me and goes, hey, so do you have a comment regarding the neighborhood's opposition to your project? I'm going, what in the world are you talking about? Uh. Well, I just, I, I know there's going to be a demonstration there tonight. What? Demo what? <laughs> I didn't know nothing. Nothing. I knew nothing. Well, the neighborhood had called all the newspaper and all three news networks, and they had planned and did a demonstration right here at the bottom of the driveway. Right there. Because that's our given way onto the property. Right there. And they had cars everywhere. They put a traffic jam that that was so outlandish. They were all hanging signs, no church, our lives will be ruined, blah, blah, blah. Seriously. But I had talked to the mayor, Mayor Fossey, famous guy, most of you don't know. In fact, he's he's not with us any longer. He said, Rob, if traffic's your only issue, you got no issues. I said, sweet. So right after that demonstration, the very next day, I called my friend who knew him. I said, I need to talk to the mayor again to make sure that doesn't get in his brain. I wanted to cut off any problems I might have. So I go race back down to the mayor. I said, mayor, You know, I know that we can handle our traffic. We're good neighbors. We only meet a couple times a week. We can handle this. This is doable. He goes, you guys do too much good in your community. I'll never let it die for traffic. A couple weeks later, Jeremy Harris, uh, his managing director, called me in his office. Hey, I just want you to know, Mayor Fossey has decreed that you cannot drive in that community. By the way, did you notice that he didn't want to tell me personally? Which I'm going to get over someday. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. But it, can you imagine how devastating that news was for me? Amen. Can you, I don't know if you know, but literally I cried. I mean, I wept driving back here because I knew, not only because I was responsible for that building project back then, not only, I didn't know what to do. We, we were done. I called the, our engineers when I got back to the office, and they go, cut bait right now. Just don't do any more. Get, get all the equipment away. You got to cut bait right now. There's, you're not going to be using that church, that property as your as your church facility. Go away. Get done. Forget it. But you know what? God never let that dream die. Amen. Never. Amen. So, so happens, here's God for you. And by the way, God's going to show up in your dreams. God will show up at the at like the ninth hour when you're thinking, oh Lord. And he shows up. Because what's he trying to do? He's going to try to build your faith. Yeah. Build your faith. I'm here, man. That's what he's saying, I'm here, don't forget that. Don't take control back, I got it. That's what he told me. So this lady in the church, her dad was in town visiting and hey, uh, Bryant wants to come up and can you show him around? He, he knows something about excavation and site work and building roads, all that. So I said, yeah, sure, I met with him on a Saturday morning. He's a big man, big Oklahoman, just gigantic man, bigger than life. And he starts, we start walking the three options that we might have. If we Our engineer actually said, none of those are available to you. Forget it. Sell that land. Sell that lease. So he starts walking around. We walked from the state hospital, coming in that way. We came in from the Father's Sacred Heart, came in that way. Then we came up that way that you drove up this morning. And literally, we took about 10 feet in, and I literally stepped down in the wetlands, and I couldn't get my shoe out. It was that deep. And I thought, Bryant, he, was, he, was, he was in his 70s at the time. I said, Bryant, if he goes down on this trip, man, I can not never get him out of here. <laughs> I literally thought that because it was so steep. Once we got through the wetlands, that driveway you came up, it was straight up, straight up. I mean, like crazy straight. We were, like we are crawling up that hill. And he tells me, okay, Rob, I'm going back to my intercessory prayer group and I'll tell you what the, what the Lord has for you in your future. And that, he was a very charismatic guy. loved the Lord, deeply in love with the Lord, and so he went home Sunday. He calls me up Monday afternoon. The intercessory prayer met, group met, and this is what you're to do. Hear me on this. You're to go, tell your engineer to draw plans for the way you just showed up over wetlands and over conservation land. That's what you drove up this morning. The first 400 feet are wetlands. The next 600 feet is conservation. Do you know what you have to do to get a permit to go over wetlands? You've got to move heaven and earth. Then you've got to go past the permits to use conservation land. Oh, craziness. But but Bryant goes, you tell your engineer, God said, we're going to do this. And our engineer literally told me this. If you go up that driveway someday, it will be divine intervention. So he went ahead. Of course, he drew the plans. We got the permits. You drove up a miracle this morning. So wait. So we are flying high, flying high, thinking, oh, Lord. So now we have the permission to build the driveway. But we still have to move a mountain. We haven't discussed that yet. We had to make that mountain level in some places. So we had to move off. We calculated. We had to move over 4,000 truckloads, semi-truckloads of dirt off this property. So we went out trying to find a valley to fill in with all that dirt, which is a not an easy task to do. Not only can you imagine the permits that you would need to do that. And then in complete... craziness, oh, we'll never be able to do this again. Despair. Bayview Golf Course calls us up and goes, hey, I hear you got dirt up there. I go, yeah, we do. I want it. I want all of it. In fact, we'll pay to haul it off. Okay, wait. Can you show the picture of the trucks moving the dirt off the road there? That's us. We did that 4,000 times. But here's the deal. The city absolutely forbid us, forbid us. We didn't have a driveway yet, anyhow. But forbid us to even drive on the street with a semi truck full of dirt in the neighborhood. Forbid us. Absolutely cannot do it. You know, wrote the signature, everything. Like breaking the law if you do. Back to despair. I got somebody who wants the dirt. I can't get it to them. What the heck are we going to do? So I go to the Department of Transportation hey, sir praying the whole way, heart pounding. Lord, help me here. I go to the dude. Hey, sir, just want to talk to you. He already knew why I was coming. We had sent him a letter. He'd like to talk to you about using a driveway. This is exactly what he did. Not exaggerating. Stood up. No way. Thanks for coming in today. The meeting lasted 20 seconds. He walked out of the room. I'm literally standing in the room with my friend, with somebody else on the team. We're standing in the room, and we're going, what, that just happened? He literally walked out of the room. Like this meeting's done. Like it's no. And what didn't you understand about Anna the O? It's no. I drove home again crying, "Lord, what's going on here? There's no way this guy needs dirt. I can give him dirt. It's going to free- be somewhat free, but I can't get it to him. I'll never get this done." Again, we're warned, "Sell the pride lease. Sell the lease." No. And then, so I heard no we used to have our, our office in the Poly Palms Plaza downtown. I'm driving in Kaniwayo. I'm driving up to the property, up Kahipa, right past. I'll never forget it. I got chicken skin now thinking about it. I could cry if I wanted to. <laughs> because I felt such an impression from God, I literally pulled over, is in complete despair. But oh, I forgot to tell you one important thing. They needed dirt starting to go to their place on Monday. Monday. The guy told me no on Tuesday. It's now Friday. Uh Uh-oh is right. The Lord told me, go see the guy that controls the road because the maintenance road had one of those things that go up and down and the guy would check you in. So I jumped over the fence, walked down the maintenance road, heart pounding. This is literally going to be crazy. And by the way, a a state worker, and I'm not throwing anything out there, please hear me, but no one wants to have their butt in a sling knowing we already heard no from their boss. Are you hearing me? But desperate times call for desperate measures. God's a God of, yeah. I over go, sir, here's who I am. We have the church. I would love you to talk to, can I talk to you about an issue I have and possibly you and I could figure out a solution to this issue. First things out of his mouth is, first things out of his mouth is, I'm so happy you guys are coming to Kaneohe and having a permanent location. It threw me back. (laughs) Seriously. He was, there was some complications, crazy complications, and there was some things that we had to do in agreement, but he, at the end of the day, said, we'll try it. Yeah. That was an amazing day. Think this through, though. We had to take 4,000, over 4,000 truckloads down that maintenance road, but we had to turn right on the highway, uh, Leaky Leaky Highway because at that point, the, the center divider was already in, so there was no way of going out the road, turning left down, down Leaky Leaky to the Bayview. Are you hearing me? Yeah. You actually had to turn right. You had to go all the way up to the Wilson Tunnels and turn that semi-truck around. Get back, You turn. Get back up to speed before another car who was racing the Kaneohe for whatever reason and make sure that that truck 4,000 times didn't come together. Are you hearing me? Because that was a big fear back then, even from the guy that had the gate. Because if anything went wrong, any accident, he knew his rear end was in a sling. Are you hearing me? And probably would lose his job. God came through. All along, all along, I want you to know, we could have thrown the deal in. God's put a dream in your heart. I need you to know that he has. I want you to really dream into that. And I promise you along the way, there's gonna be times you will want to give up. You're gonna say, no, I can't do this. But God would say, no, have faith in me. If I gave you that dream, it's gonna happen and it's gonna come to fruition. But here's what I need to challenge you to do pray God would de- reveal, unwrap, develop that dream in your heart. And that I promise you, if you stick close to God, that dream will not die no matter all the ups and downs and twists and turns along the way. And someday, like Tim and Holly, it'll actually come to fruition and that people will actually show up to your business and support it. And he's in supporting, their, it's a nonprofit, they support many things and bring Jesus into the, into the community. It'll happen to you too. But you got to spend time with Jesus. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we need you, Lord. I pray for each one of us in this congregation that we would literally hear your voice, your leading, your direction. Lord, ignite the passions in our heart that you put there in the dreams, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that this very week, Lord, that you would ignite something in us that would literally change the world. Lord, I pray that you just ignite that dream, Lord, in Jesus' precious name, amen. There's some, hold your, bow your head for a second because I, I know there's people in this room that we're talking about Jesus and his power and his Holy Spirit, but you've never come to a place where you've allowed Jesus into your heart. You've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior. You never said, Lord, I believe you are real. I never, I never, I've never done that. I want to give you an opportunity right now because the word says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart, you will be saved. He will send his Holy Spirit in your heart. He will forgive your sins. He went to the cross and died for those sins. And he He forgave those sins past, present, and future. But you have to accept Jesus as your Lord. So in a couple seconds, I'm going to count to three, and I want you to raise your hand. If you feel I'm speaking to you right this moment, I want you to boldly and proudly raise your hand and say, Jesus, Jesus, come into my heart. Are you ready? One, two, three. Raise your hand right now if that's you. Right now, raise your hand. Yes, I see you. Yes, I see you. Raise your hand. Yes, I see you. I see you. Yes, I see you. Yes. Pray with me right now, would you? Lord, I believe that you are real and that you are God, and I believe you created me for a purpose. Lord, and I believe that you died for my sins and you rose again, and I believe you are my creator and my savior. And I pray, Lord, for these folks that you'd send your Holy Spirit into their hearts right this moment, and that you'd fill them to overflowing, Lord. Lord, that they would feel the grace and peace and mercy only you can show right now, Lord, And I pray, Lord, the person who drove up this driveway this morning and the one who returns home today are two different people because of your Holy Spirit in their lives. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome.